You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nada the Scribe. Uh, anniversary of Kobe's uh, death today. We're going to give a special tribute at the end of the podcast and this coming from rejecting the screen. They did a great job over there kind of giving a tribute. It's going to happen over the last or the next couple of days. So we're going to play a snippet from that pod at the end of today's show. That'll be coming up in the final segment. We'll also get to the Rick Bennell interview that he had with Mitch Kupchak, uh, part of the Charlotte Observer. He answers questions on LaMelo Ball, his assessment of the third overall pick, also talked about the second round picks and what he thinks of why they aren't playing right now, what kind of words he would use to describe them. Also talking about Gordon Hayward, how good he's been, but also how he needs some help. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, of course, we had a game last night between the Hornets and the Orlando Magic. Going to give you a little bit of a recap from this one. The first game they played against the Magic, they won. This game, they lost as they've been playing these two back-to-back games against teams because of easier travel, given all of the COVID-19 restrictions. Magic win, 117 to 108. Uh, you look at Gordon Hayward, another good performance from him has been <laughs> extremely good this season. We've been talking about it a lot. 24 points leading all scores along with the Terry Rozier, who uh, also was doing a, a very good job at the end of this game. Gordon Hayward, three of five from beyond the arc. Terry Rozier, four of six from beyond the arc. Good field goal percentages um, from other spots on the floor as well. And yet there still just wasn't enough defense to stop the three-point line, Nada. And this is something that I think we were all kind of ready for the dam to break when talking about the defense and how it actually was ranking very high in a lot of different statistical categories when, in fact, we knew and felt that there were a lot of open threes being given up by the Hornets defense and yet teams were just shooting poorly against the Hornets. Well, what you see from Orlando, especially last night, 51.4%. They hit 19 threes on 37 attempts. The Hornets actually took one more three attempt than the magic at 38 and they hit eight less only hitting 11. That's essentially your difference in the game and they can't catch up because of the three point difference there. What else did you take note of last night? Just, like, I hate to keep harping on effort because I'm not that kind of guy. But we got great effort in the first quarter. And then after that, it was back to normal. Like, there was, and they, they flipped off the off switch once they thought they had Orlando mentally whipped. And it just keeps going back to the three-pointers for me. I was just doing some research, just light research. Last time this team gave up single-digit threes, it was two weeks ago to the Knicks. And the Knicks employ Tom Thibodeau, and they run sort of a... They don't really shoot threes like that. This is a problem now. This is a problem because I don't think you can switch around your defense in the span of a couple of days to give up less threes. I understand that JB is talking about probably tinkering with the lineups, but I'm just at the point with this is who this team is at this point. They're not very talented. They're not very good. They're going to give up as many threes, and they're employing a junk defense to make sure that they don't give up more. 
Like, this team was fun. It was great to think about the playoffs. But for me right now, this team isn't very good. And I'm okay with that. And I understand that JB is going to run these rotations as short as possible to win as many games as possible, to be as competitive as possible. But at this point, we have a very indicative stretch. With I, I want to say 12 of the next 14 games that are going to be happening at home. And I think we're going to figure out exactly what this team is. And I can't wait to lose a majority of those games to start really start. <laughs> I can't wait to lose a majority of those games is what you just said. <laughs> that's that's very, I hear you. I want to lose a lot of the next games. And if you're looking, you're doing the tanking thing, wanting to figure out. It's not even tanking for me. It, it's, it's uh, quite honestly, Walker, I'm just tired of the expectation of playoffs. Like, I don't want, I want them to be free of that expectation. I want to, because the expectation of the playoffs is getting, is what's getting us those seven, eight man rotations that aren't really working right now. There, that's what's getting us no Malik Monk, a little less of the Cody Martin thing. Like, I understand that people don't want necessarily want to experiment and be as competitive as they can. But this team's best stretch happened when no one was looking and no one was expecting. Well, and and you, I mean, I don't know if I agree with you so much on the perception from everyone else, because I think at least my timeline, not a, you know, all timelines are not created equal, but my timeline seems to call for Malik Monk to play a little bit more. It seems to call for at least maybe a little bit of Jalen McDaniels. People were kind of excited about and just seeing some different time and, and not seeing in biz nearly as much. And, you know, biz has been bad. I mean, you even look at the net rating. You look at some of the defensive and offensive ratings with Bismack Biombo being out there on the floor. He's not been good. And I know that you're trying to get the conditioning back with Cody Zeller. But at this point, this is something we talked about. I mean, even before Cody Zeller came back. He's a better basketball player. I just call it what it is. He's a significantly better basketball player. And I love Biz. And this is what we talked about when Biz was signed to this contract. But he was only really brought in to be a mentor and maybe give you some big man depth that could come in in spots and help you out. But they relied a lot on him with Cody Zeller's absence. And look, if you're trying to salvage the body of P.J. Washington and not pin him against the biggest dudes uh, every night that you're playing against, okay. But now you've got Cody, and you can still go to PJ at the five, which has proven to be a pretty effective lineup so far. Biz, Biz has got to come out more. You, I, I want to see Malik, and I want to see a little bit more of Jalen McDaniels, you know, which is something we've discussed quite a bit. But James Brago has stuck with going with this type of rotation. Since Cody came back, you're really relying on eight guys, and Caleb has been that ninth too. I'd, I'd love to see something different. They've lost five of their last six games that they've played. The defense is starting to wear off in the last few games that they've played. And, you know, another thing is not a LaMelo ball has really struggled in, in the last handful of games yeah. or so. And I kind of want to talk about that coming up in the next segment, along with the Mitch Kupchak interview that Rick Bennell had with the Charlotte um, Hornets general manager. There's only one place when it comes to sports betting that has you covered. And there's only one place that we trust that's betonline.ag. You can sign up today. 
for a free account at betonline.ag and you can use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. You can get in on the action. You don't have to forget and uh, don't forget, excuse me, to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We talk about LaMelo Ball's play here recently coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to be back. Great to be back on the show. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Doing a great job, by the way. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your pods. Also, want to speak a little bit about the benefits of rockauto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food And why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. You can write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. An amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Talking about LaMelo Ball, nada. He was... You know, it was a bad debut for him, and then he started to play some good basketball. We were all very excited for him. The first really good game that LaMelo gave us was the Dallas Mavericks game, the first go-around, where they destroyed him. LaMelo goes 7 of 10 from the field, scores 22 points, gives you five assists and eight rebounds to boot. Then he flirts with a couple of triple-doubles in a row and really separates himself as one of the best rebounders at the point guard spot in all of the NBA for, what, like a five, six-game stretch. There's a certain amount of games in a row in the month of January. Against Atlanta the first time around, he has eight rebounds. Against the Pelicans, he has 10. Against the Hawks, he's got 12 again. Against the Knicks, he gets 14. And then the Mavericks the second time around, he gets seven. Has not gotten seven rebounds since that game against the Dallas Mavericks, and we've seen them play five times since then. You look at some of these numbers that he's been putting up, Nada, the three-point percentage is starting to dwindle down. He's just shooting on the season right now, 31.2%. The field goal percentage has gone down. He hasn't shot above 42.9 since that game that he had against the Atlanta Hawks the second time around. It seems a little rookie Wally to me. Nada, what do you think when you watch LaMelo Ball and the way he's performed lately? It's rookie wall. It's rookie wall and it's NBA players in shape and it's film. It's a lot of just all of this right now. I don't think it's fair to judge any of these like any of these rookies until the midpoint of next year because lack of a real training camp, no summer league, lack of time with teams. Like there's a lot of this that comes into this factor that comes into play when we discuss this. And it's kind of why like everyone that was wanting JB to start him like JB has a point now. It's like, look, you don't want to give this kid too much too soon and Thankfully, JB stuck to the plan and not really tried to give this kid too much too soon right now. 
And I'm I'm it's rookie wall. It's also to be expected. And this is not again just like the stretch that that he had where he was great doesn't necessarily define him. Neither does this poor stretch too. He'll be fine. I'm I'm just waiting for the second half of the season for any kind of how do I feel about this kid? And either way, left again, whether he's good or whether he's bad, but he's shown us more good than bad right now. So it's a rookie. Win. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Yeah, there there's, doesn't need to be any sweeping statement on what he's going to be going forward. That's not going to well, stop people. I though. mean, I hope so. I certainly hope it stops people, but he's not been good. And here's something that's been bothering me a lot about his play lately. It's been the turnovers. And I think when we were talking about LaMelo at the beginning of the season, he had a few turnovers here and there. You look at the first four games before you get to January, he had a couple of games where he had three turnovers and a couple of games where he had two did not have above three until you get to this first game against Toronto. And since then, He's had five, goes back to one in the second game against Toronto, then five against Chicago, four against Orlando the first time, and then three last night. And they've been some careless turnovers, Nada. They've been the one-handed passes trying to fit it through tight windows that are just a little lazy. He's not been strong with the basketball, and so maybe you can attribute that to weight room problems that'll be fixed going forward. And I think there's some truth to that for sure. But also it seems maybe a little careless. I also don't think he's being nearly as aggressive driving to the hoop. So you see the free throw attempts from LaMelo ball. And when he was shooting right at the beginning of this month, you know, he was shooting six free throw attempts against Philadelphia and he was shooting four against the Pelicans. He, he never had gotten a ton, but man, he's not getting a ton of free throw attempts. Um, when you go back to really this game against New York, he didn't have any. And then oh for one, zero of zero, one of two, one for one, one for one. I mean, you're seeing some and ones <laughs> opportunities there mm-hmm. for LaMelo. So I, I wonder how much that comes into play. He's not getting uh, as much as the assist numbers and the turnovers are kind of going up. All of this very much seems, I, I don't know if we have any legs problems. I, I don't, no. I, it just just he's being a little bit more sloppy and he's not playing nearly as well as he was um, back at the beginning of this month and really heading into this month. Like I get what you're saying. I really do about not driving to the bucket and drawing fouls, but I just remember just like, I, I just think about last night, he was going to the bucket, getting hammered, not getting a call. And I do think when there's a lack of functional NBA strength, like it's easy for us to sit back and say you need to drive to the bucket more when we're not taking those swipes and those hits and those dings that can wear you down. It's a lot easier for us to say that. I also think if he had the functional strength to continue to go to the rack and chase the fouls, this, that, and the third, then I would be more critical of that for right now. But until he gets that strength, this is who he is this season. And unfortunately... Like, the, uh, like, unfortunately, I would love to, for him to go to the rack, but I also well, and and, you, and you're right. I mean, like, you, you see, you know, there, there were there were five three pointers from him last night. He missed all of them, and then he had five shots within the three point line. You go back to this first game against Orlando. He did have four three pointers, and you're talking about seven two point field goals. So, okay, you know, fair enough. There, the three point shot has has kind of left him as the season has gone on. Hasn't been hitting nearly at good enough uh, a clip as we've gone on. So you're right. I, I just, you know, he's not getting some of the fouls and it's probably him being a rookie, not getting those calls. 
uh, just sloppy play from LaMelo. I, I want just to tighten up the screws a little bit. You know, that that's what I want to see from LaMelo and certainly hoping that we can get some of that um, here shortly. Let's go to some of the main takeaways real quickly before we play you this Kobe Bryant um, snip uh, from the rejecting the screen podcast. Rick Bennell sat down with the general manager of the Hornets and not a, he's had a couple of interesting things to say. I think you look at what he said about Gordon Hayward. Um, he talked about needing to get Gordon Hayward some more help because he doesn't want him to score 40 points on a nightly uh, basis. And he doesn't want him to play really 40 minutes on a nightly basis. He said, quite frankly, I don't want to see him playing 38 minutes a game and scoring 35 to 38 points a game. I think that's too much. Of course, he said, quote, we need to get him help whether that comes from improvement within, which is what I hope for, or more challenging to help from trades or signings. So looking to the outside, does that make you kind of lean more towards Mitch Kupchak really figuring out a way to bring in some talent or some help from the outside? What do you make, uh, make of that comment from Mitch? I, I don't. I don't think it's coming. I, I, for everything, everything that I read, because I read the article twice, and <laughs> Everything I've read about that article makes me feel like there's no help coming, at least not this year. This season, I don't think there's any help coming. Are there going to be some deck? Are they going to are they going to rearrange deck chairs involving probably Malik Monk and maybe a Martin twin? Yeah, I can see that. But for right now, I don't see them making a deal. And granted, like Mitch is saying, I wish we could get him some help. Well, Mitch, you can fix that. But for right now, I think fans need to be very, very aware that the, the team you're seeing right now, they're going to rely on them and them alone to fix this. And if not, maybe changes get made. But I, I just don't see any changes getting made for right now unless something dramatic happens. Yeah, I, I think that there is a shot of this, especially if you're talking about them looking to continue to be competitive. And it seemed like Mitch Kupchak came out and he really wants Gordon Hayward to have some help. You know, there's a reason that James Borrego has shortened the rotation, trying to win at every game as possible, going to the guys that he trusts the most. And I, I think Mitch Kupchak might just look for some outside help to score the basketball a little bit more to, to help Gordon because Devonte, I mean, he just hasn't been the score that you would want him to be with, you know, kind of efficient shooting. You know, I mean, even with him starting to put together a few games here and there that are a little bit better from the field, it hasn't been enough. Um, and, and you see, you know, LaMelo starting to struggle now, you know, Terry Rozier that he had a bad game against Orlando, but it, it seems like maybe there's just a couple of guys here and there that help you out uh, on any given night. And, you know, Gordon has been the mainstay. He's been helping this team as much as anyone. I wonder if Mitch Kupchak does go outside and get some help real quickly. Last thing before we get to the Kobe Bryant thing, um, I do want to talk about the big men that have been drafted in the second round in this past NBA draft, but haven't played many minutes at all. And when Mitch Kupchak was asked how he would describe the rookies, Vernon Carey and Nick Richards, he said that they're overwhelmed. He would also say that it's not their fault that the pandemic has affected a lot of what this rookie class is going to go through, but that both of those guys seem overwhelmed. And it's why they haven't played many minutes at all this season. You look at what's going to happen uh, with the G league season, um, it's going and, and there's going to be a G League bubble. So we'll see exactly what players are all going to be included. But we do know that Vernon Carey and Nick Richards, along with Grant Riller and Nate Darling, are all going to be with the swarm for maybe a little bit or all of the G League bubble that takes place.
plays. Do you think that's a smart decision for the Hornets to send all those guys down there? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you have to get these guys minutes. They're not going to, you can't put them, you can't ask veterans to carry that, those guys, those rookies on the floor during live NBA bullets. This is exactly what the G League is for. And quite honestly, I'm kind of disappointed they're not taking like uh, J- uh, J- Jalen McDaniel with them. And just in case McDaniel, so that McDaniel can stay warm, stay having, a- again, active shots and staying active pretty much. So I would personally prefer that they do this. And because and if honestly, if I you had to ask me which one probably is the least likely to stay in the bubble, it's Richards. Because I think the longer term project, it unfortunately and unfortunately, is Vernon Carey. And I understand why you drafted him. I, I, I completely understand all of it. I just wish that it was Xavier Tillman. Oh, yeah, I think everybody wishes that, especially with the start that he's gotten with the Grizzlies. And again, NBA Twitter is running the Grizzlies organization. They drafted Desmond. They found a way to get Desmond Bain. They got Brandon Clark a year ago. They get Xavier Tillman. NBA Twitter is running the Memphis Grizzlies organization. Let's get to um, Kobe Bryant coming up in this uh, third segment of the Lockdown Hornets podcast, rejecting the screen, doing a, a two-day special because of the anniversary of his death. First, I do want to discuss Built Bar with everyone because they're tasting uh, amazing these days with the six new flavors that they've released. Not a, I know they're hitting for you, man. They're hitting for me. I just had the banana bread one not too long ago. Actually, it was the German chocolate today. Been having one a day to try to get my energy back up. And uh, I've got the mix boxed of all sorts of different flavors. So it's been fun to kind of vary what I've been eating from Built Bar. They've got all those amazing flavors. And plus, they're covered in 100% chocolate. And they're good for the health conscious guy. You're talking about anywhere between 130 to 180 calories per bar. So you don't have to have the guilt when you eat these delicious treats. And what's also cool is that you get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Rejecting the screen, Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov. They've been putting together a two-day special because of Kobe Bryant's death just a year ago today. We replay that for you coming up on the other side. This is Locked on Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, could put him on the radar of a radar, excuse (laughs) me, of all NBA, yeah, on the radar, on the radar of (laughs) all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from from, uh, Catawba County. Put him on the radar. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. That'll do it for us today. We're going to allow Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov to take you home with a special that they've been doing with Kobe Bryant. We all remember that day just a year ago. I can't really believe that it's been a year ago today that we all heard of the tragic passing Kobe Bryant uh, uh, passing away and a helicopter crash along with his daughter, Gianna Bryant. Extremely sad news. And now I think we all look back along with the NBA players that um, that had Kobe mean so much to them. We all look back on what happened just a year ago today, as well as the career and some of the stories from Kobe Bryant. Here's Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov. This is Adam Stanko from the Rejecting the Screen podcast. It's unfathomable to think that a year has passed since that you'll never forget where you were moment when we all found out Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and seven others died tragically in a helicopter crash. 
everyone associated with the NBA has a Kobe story because he meant so much to so many of us. Our way to honor Kobe was to compile some of our favorite stories from interviews my co-host Noah Kozlov and I conducted with teammates, opponents, coaches, and writers who had something to say about the man who famously wore number 8 and number 24. We put together all of those stories, many of which you've never heard before, on a two-part podcast on Rejecting the Screen, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're about to play an excerpt from Part 1, which drops on Tuesday, January 26th, with Part 2 coming on January 28th. Subscribe to the pod today so you can listen to both episodes as soon as they're released. We pick up the story as Kobe was ranked as the top prep player in the nation, and his status as a local legend was exploding. There were even rumors of the Lower Marion High School prodigy practicing with the Sixers and dominating the Sixers star wing Jerry Stackhouse in games of one-on-one. Rex Walters was on the Sixers in 96 and told us how he remembered it. Kobe did come to practices or he would come afterwards and come work out at St. Joe's because me not knowing who Kobe was, like once again, I, I didn't follow high school basketball. I was an NBA player. I wasn't into that. I'm sitting there. I'm, 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 I'm leaving to go. Uh, home. I'm, I'm kind of straightening it up in the locker room and, and Kobe sure enough walks in. And I'm like just making conversation with this kid. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, what you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm going to go work out. And I'm like, oh, you're a pretty good player. Like this guy had to be looking at me like, what, what are you, some kind of idiot or something? Because, you know, and then I'm like, well, you know, what schools you're looking at? He's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Kansas. I'm talking to Carolina. He's like, but there's one other thing I'm thinking about. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, well, hey, you know, Dean Smith was a great coach from Michael Jordan. You know, you should think about Carolina. Obviously, Coach Williams is my coach, great coach. You should think about those schools trying to trying to help out my guy. Uh, you know, next next thing you know, next preseason game, this guy's freaking like yelling over to his point guard, Nick Van Ex, like, "Hey, you know, I'm guarding." I'm like, "I got a mouse over here. I got a mouse." I'm like, Man, "That's that's a little disrespectful." I tried to help you, my man, and 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 you're calling mouse in the house on me. So obviously, he had to be thinking to himself, "What is this guy talking about?" So back to Kobe as the nation's top high school player and those rumors we are hearing of Kobe regularly beating Stackhouse one-on-one. We talked to Jeff Perlman, who wrote the incredible book, Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the crazy years of the Laker dynasty. He said that story was all fabricated. It's crap. Like, it's actually crap. It's just total BS. And um, it's funny because basically I reached out to because you hear all these stories, right? You hear all these stories about Kobe and he's, he's with the Sixers and he's lighting them up and blah, blah, blah. And he was definitely a, a great player and definitely showed his skills. And the guys were like, yeah, this guy's going to be something. But um, I reached out to Stackhouse via Twitter. I, I profiled Stackhouse for the Wall Street Journal years ago. And I just reached out to him. Hmm. I don't have a tweet in front of me, but he wrote like, <laughs> I'm sure like you, you, this is the first thing I think of when people say, we're, we're so-and-so regret having spoken about Kobe. Like he basically said, I've never heard Kobe say they were true, but I've also never heard him say they were false. So ask him. Um, <laughs> and like the thing that I, I think is really cool about Kobe and the, uh, and the Sixers workouts, he did not dominate Jerry Stackhouse at pure BS, but he took it to those guys. Um, imagine being, I remember I ran college, I ran uh, cross country at university of Delaware. And I remember my first year freshman freshman year, I went out to run with the rest of the team and they're all seniors and these guys are like all state and all county and all these great runners. And I was terrified. 
Like I was absolutely terrified. I just wanted to hang with him. I was terrified. I was scared. I was just praying I'd be able to do it. This guy's running with the Philadelphia 76ers as a high school kid and like holding his own and doing it. Like that's insane. And then the other thing when he was in high school that I really like is he would work out. I got to remember the specifics. He would, I'm going to actually reread the book before it comes out. So I, you know, um, which is sad that you have to do, but you do have to do is he, um, he would work out and he drove from one workout to another workout place in the summer and made sure the heat in his car would be at full blast as he was driving just to build up his endurance. So like, I think he worked out at a track. It was like a 90 degree day outside in Philly, very humid, hot, gets in the car, blasts the heat all the way, drives to the other workout. Like he did little things like that that were just absolutely insane all the time. It's 1996 and you're Kobe Bryant. You have an unparalleled level of self-confidence. You've proven to yourself that you can run with the Sixers. And just a year prior, you watched as another high schooler, Kevin Garnett, got selected fifth overall in the 95 draft. So what does Kobe do? He becomes the first guard ever to skip college and enter the draft. And by the way, he was just 17 at the time. 17 years old. Kobe, of course, gets selected 13th overall by the Charlotte Hornets, who immediately trade him to the Lakers for Vladi. Coming into that draft, everyone expected him to end up in L.A., and we talked to a couple of people on the pod who were with teams in that year's lottery. First up, former Vancouver Grizzlies coach and GM Stu Jackson. The Grizzlies had the number three pick and ended up taking Sharif Abdul-Rahim. But we straight up asked Stu, why didn't the Grizz take Kobe Bryant? You know, he, he was a high school player. We were a very young franchise. And, you know, uh, I, I think to draft a high school player at that point in our development as a franchise would have really uh, been going out on a limb, not having this player proven himself against, you know, a higher level of competition. Although I will tell you, you know, Kobe was extremely talented. But the other aspect of Kobe was, he was not going to any franchise other than the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, he got drafted by a different franchise, but that quickly turned around and he mm-hmm. ended up in Los Angeles. And everyone in the draft knew that at that point. So we didn't think that was an option for Kobe Bryant coming to a new country or to, to Vancouver uh, to play basketball. So he was sort of off the board. Leaving the country to play might not have been in Kobe's plans, but would he have played for the Dallas Mavericks, who had the ninth overall pick? Remember at the time, the Mavs had Jason Kidd running the point, and later in their careers, Kobe tried desperately to get the Lakers to trade for Kidd. Well, former Nets head coach Butch Beard was an assistant with the Mavericks in 96, and he told us that he thinks they had a shot at getting the high school sensation to come to Dallas. Here's the best story of all, and a true story as well. I was an assistant coach with Jim Clemens and also uh, uh, at the Dallas <laughs> Mavs. We're in the draft, and I asked, I asked the people who, you know, run the draft, I mean, all our uh, scouts, I said, who's the best guy in the draft? They said, Kobe Bryant. He's a high school kid, but he's not, you know, he's not, uh, you know, we, we, we don't know. We think he's going to be the best. And they didn't know whether at that particular time they were going to break up three J's. 
Okay. So I made a comment to them. I said, why don't we bring him in and try him out? I know that the word was out there that he only wanted to go to L.A. I said, but I think he would want to play with Jason and Jimmy if you all think that he's going to be the best player in the draft. We were afraid to do that. We ended up drafting Samaki Walker. I'll never forget. I was running around all over, you know, working out Eric Dampier and some other players and, you know. But I said, man, that's what we should have done. I sat there, even those five minutes before we drafted, I said, we should draft this kid. Why were they afraid to even, not even to bring him in? Because the word had gotten out there that he wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't going to work out for other teams mm-hmm. and things like that. I said, I think he would come. I think he would come and at least give us a, you know, a look-see. I really do. You can hear the rest of our Kobe Stories special on Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to the podcast today and hear part one on Tuesday, January 26th and part two on January 28th. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network.